This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Join host Dave Houghton and Sarah Ray Pallet as they examine the less glamorous side of sports with their podcast, In a Pickle. Follow IAP Radio on social media by going to iapradio.com. In a Pickle is now part of the Den Network. For more information, go to iapradio.com. Attention, the Milf and Me podcast contains strong language, mature conversations about sexuality and a multitude of lifestyles, as well as occasional criticism of political fuckery. Keep politics out of your pants, folks. Your hosts, Antonio and Diana, are not certified relationship specialists. We are cynical assholes with microphones, pretty much like every other podcast. We are happy to be a part of the Deluxe Edition Network. Visit them online or on your favorite social media platform, and please sure to check out the two featured podcasts of the month. Those are the Take on the World podcast and the Beard Laws podcast. And now, with that out of the way, enjoy the show. Have you ever heard of Christian domestic discipline? My name's Danielle. I'm a sex therapist and clinical sexologist, and I work heavily in the Bible Belt. If you've never heard of CDD, buckle up, because I'm going to take you inside the marriages of some of these evangelicals and the people who think this country should be that way. This video is for educational purposes only, and it's probably going to elicit some emotion, so if you don't want that, scroll on past. CDD is a lifestyle that encourages husbands to spank their wives for misbehavior. (laughs) It's important to note that it does occur outside of Christian circles, but it's much more prominent there because the Bible is used to justify it. They claim it brings about respect and submission that's not only needed in a good Christian marriage, but all marriages. And if men didn't start their marriages that way, there's lots of guides out there to help them get it going. Of course, husbands claim their wives love being spanked, even to the point of tears, because they know their head of household (laughs) is willing and strong enough to hold them accountable for their actions. In fact, tears mean you're having the desired effect and you should keep going. And I promise that's not a niche idea. You can find it in multiple places. Tears allow her feminine side to come out and breaks down her (laughs) resistance. It is vital to continue spanking when you notice tears and not stop before the punishment has the desired effect. Of course, research shows the actual effects of this are loss of self-esteem, dignity, and trauma. No shit. I've been a therapist for 10 years, and not only is this not a new idea, it's growing. If we get rid of no-fault divorce and let Christians run this country the way they want, this is what's coming. Welcome to the Milf and Me podcast. I'm your host, Antonio, here with my amazing guest co-host, returning to the show again, Mariah of the Salty Sex Cast. How are you? Hey, just being a standard Milf over here. I'm yeah, good. well, you're doing great at it. Um, we got to talk about this. <laughs> uh, oh, cringe, cringe. And infuriating, right? Um, it is power dynamics to that toxic side um, I, I really, I think it's just sad because it's attached to a religious belief. Right. I think that's what's so disgusting and, and how a lot of people like, 
what if it wasn't attached to Christian beliefs and mm-hmm. it was just this? So many people would be like, hell no. Right. I come from a domestic violence background and that's where I started my career. Mm-hmm. And so this is so difficult to sit and listen and know that this goes on through the le- I mean, Christianity since history has began has been the one that's in the name of God have abused people. So that's what's hard. I mean, so what got us into this subject is, Mm -hmm. you know, we did the trad wife conversation a few weeks ago. And this is just that level deeper. Well, this is what took me into that rabbit hole. This video popped up when I was, you know, just searching for the trad wife videos for our episode. And I thought it was a joke. I'm like, domestic discipline? I was under the assumption that it was maybe like a bondage thing. It was a uh, BDSM discipline kind of thing. Sub-dom. Sub-dom, yeah. Yeah, Sorry, sorry, dom-sub. I've had people on the show talking about that and they explained, you know, the the hierarchies and the uh, discipline and the consent that all goes along with this. Consent. But that is what I thought domestic discipline was. I thought it was just like a fun play on the BDSM practice. Mm-hmm. And then I saw that it was linked to Christianity and that video specifically said Christian domestic discipline. So I sent you that to go down the rabbit hole. I went down the rabbit hole and it is a thing. And like she said at the end, the movement's getting bigger. Mm -hmm. Just like the trad wife thing, this is getting bigger. But the difference is with this one is this is very male driven where trad wife seems to be a little bit more female driven in the social media aspect of it. Who's the attention on? Right. It's more of like, you know, this little homemaker that sounds amazing, right? So that's the attention's going to be on her. Right. I haven't seen any videos of someone saying, I love being spaked to the point of tears by my husband. For discipline that's not a consensual kink, you know, that we're both into, like, you know, BDSM, right? Right. This is actual discipline because you're being punished you're being treated like a child because of what i've said not what you've agreed on Mm -hmm. you may not agree to my rules my house rules but i run the house i wear the pants i'm in charge Mm -hmm. you have nothing to say and you need to shut up sit down and do what i tell you right (laughs) so let's just go ahead and get the listeners familiar because i was zero familiarity on this So if you've never heard of domestic discipline, it is a lifestyle choice in which one person is the leader or head of household, referred to here as the HOH, while the other person is a submissive partner. Rules and guidelines are set by the HOH, and when those rules are broken, consequences are enforced. Consequences range from simple lectures all the way up to more serious consequences such as spankings. But there's more to the lifestyle than just rules and consequences. Domestic discipline lifestyles about dominance, submission, obedience, respect, honesty, trust, and leadership. The trust part's really weird for me because uh, how can you trust someone who is legitimately abusing you? So there are there is some lure to this for mm-hmm. women, right? Because especially women who have already traumatic pasts or controlling parents as they grow were growing up right they never made choices on their own someone always made them for them so they are very fearful of making their own choices so i'm going to trust that you are going to tell me the best thing for me i am giving you that so you can make the decisions for our household for our family for our income and i am nearly agreeing to that 
But I don't think when someone, you know, is dating someone who who is into the CDD, right? The Christian Domestic mm-hmm. Discipline. They kind of spin it in a way like, oh, I, I am going to take care of you. I am confident in the decisions I make. And if you follow through, we're all going to have a wonderful, happy family. But if you don't follow, you're the threat to our family. Right. Because you're not following the rules. So I need to punish you. And or anyone else. I'll punish anyone else who's a threat to the, our way of life. Um, children, other things. Because this is not just going to stay with just the spouse. That, right. Yeah, it'll so, go to the children as well. Absolutely. And then, I mean, again. Which I, there's laws against. I go back to the documentary on the Duggar family. Like, we mm. saw so much of this stuff entwined into their fundamentalism, the religion that they are all a part of, and other religions that we've seen in the Bible Belt, including the one that, you know, is in this state that we are in. This is my question for you, because I don't have a background in psychology. Mm-hmm. Let's say, psychologically, does this have the same kind of uh, trigger and, let's say, location in the psyche of someone who doesn't want to misbehave because their father's a drunk and they will beat them? There's like domestic abuse and domestic violence. And even though this seems consensual, is it the same part of the brain and psyche that's triggering these despair? I'm going to say responses of I must behave, this behavior, this mechanism of if I fall out of line, I'm going to face a consequence and that consequence could be violent, but it's just a way to kind of sugarcoat it to make it look like it is a healthy and productive way to run a family. Yeah. I mean, I will start off where I'm not equipped to really talk about the psyche and and those impacts, right? But I can tell you what I do know that this is probably more dangerous yeah because if i am growing up in a household that has an abusive somebody you know whatever i can probably choose to leave escape Mm -hmm. it is a lot harder and you have to do a lot of like self-work and understanding you know we know that women leaving abusive relationships it's one of the hardest things i'll ever have to do and many stay because of the fear of um but this is where it's sneaky because it's not just the consequence of me losing my spouse, my income, my livelihood, maybe my security. It is now my my belief system, my faith. And if this is wrapped up into faith, then I am an unworthy person. I'm a sinner. I'm this because I'm not following what my spouse says. So it's so convoluted and so heavy that that's where it's it's so dangerous because people can start altering those messages. Um it's it's also one that it can kind of sound light like yeah sure i'll i'll follow what you do cuz you make the money like that i i want to stay home yeah. and so i'm going to follow and then it gets darker and darker and heavier and heavier and the consequences get greater and the control gets deeper then where you have nowhere to turn you have no right. work experience you have nothing you have your community is probably this christian community that to leave yeah, those you know. push you back into that situation a hundred percent. Yeah. This is the part that was interesting to me as I was going through the studies on this, they made a lot of cross comparisons of domestic discipline claims and what research actually says. So the number one reason why people in this particular practice, especially in the Christian communities 
is it says it's supported by scripture. And it is. There's a lot of things in the scriptures saying the obedience to the husband, the husband is the master. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are parts of the Bible that say that I can uh, burn you at the stake if you even think about having sex with another man. Mm-hmm. What research actually says is that it's based on misinterpretations of the Bible, which to me is like no duh. The everything, everything is based on misinterpretations of the Bible. I'm going to go out and say that the Bible itself is a misinterpretation of the Bible, mm-hmm. and we keep building uh, I- ideologies and laws and things that are controlling people in this country. Mm-hmm based off of misinterpretations of a misinterpretation of a misinterpretation if it feeds that particular group's agenda agenda yeah absolutely absolutely it's disgusting to watch and when you start to break down things and like actually critically think about statements you're like wait what oh right yeah so this is why it's like this is a no dub but people are getting sucked into it because of some claims right It says that it gives husband authority over the entire household and requires consent from both parties. But what research actually says is that it does not give life to relationships. How can you grow in your relationship? Not a partnership. It's not a partnership. No. It is a dictatorship, essentially, of the household. I have another father that I just happen to fuck. Right. (laughs) If I'm going to twist it and be really gross, right? No, it it is. It's it's not a partnership. Um, But some people want that they don't because they've made big mistakes in their life so then they don't trust themselves making more right so they'd rather just follow what someone else tells them i absolutely understand where that can sound enticing especially when it's wrapped in a pretty bow that it's more closer to god and all of this Mm -hmm. because that's how our relationship with god should be too and so then i'm treating my husband as like a god figure right um so like it, that's where it's such a slippery slope. But then are you so um, degraded into just a um, tool for this person to use? Mm-hmm. You're not your needs, your wants, your wishes are not being granted either. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying this type of relationship cannot be somewhat consensual. I can't even say healthy because I haven't researched it. Right. Yeah. But there is absolutely a piece where I could see women being like, yes, please, because I've made so many mistakes or the abusive father I had told me I was worthless and nothing. And so I really can't make my own decisions and do anything without somebody backing them up. And you're my backup. You're my person who's telling me and running my life. So the other thing it says is it teaches the wife to be submissive and punishes wives' transgressions with physical discipline. What research actually says is that it's controlling, abusive, and it undermines mutuality in a marriage. That's the biggest one for me is that this is abuse. Any kind of yeah. violence is abuse. No matter how you try to you know, interpret it to other people like, oh, well, it's justified. It's justified. My parents spanked me as a kid and you know, I learned from it. Okay, yeah, my parents spanked me as a kid. Did I ever get the fear of God put into me that if I made one little mistake, I was going to get the belts or the lashings or whatever? No, it's when I fucked up. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a difference in that. I'm not condoning any kind of, you know, uh, violence towards children and and, uh, whatever. What is it called? Uh, Capital punishment. (laughs) Yeah. Corporal punishment. But- this really is something that I think that 
if you're a child and you see your parents involved in this kind of relationship, mm-hmm. it's going to toxify your idea of what a marriage is supposed to be. And now you're bringing this into the world. And mm-hmm. I, do you just see like the ripple effect of things happening the way I do? If someone who's like in their early teens or I mean, let's say just about to go into the dating world and they see videos about this and they see the trad wife stuff, and they start having those expectations and they take those expectations out into the dating world. And then they can't find a woman in this modern Western culture that agrees with it. Now they've become incels. Now they become like this squawk box on social media about how Western women and feminism sucks. And it just keeps building and building and snowballing down the hill. To me, that is one of the main things that scares me about social media and people having. Platforms. Oh, yeah. Well, because the this modern day doesn't fit their ideology, and so they're going to, you know, shit on what doesn't fit and what they want to control. Right. It really comes down to control. Um, but yeah, there's absolutely a ripple effect and in intergenerational abuse. Um, you know, let's say two parents do this, and there's some discipline. You know, mom maybe gets taken away like her cell phone privileges or something, you know, and then the kid sees that and they're like, oh, this is normal behavior. They're going to either replicate it in their relationship or go seek it in a relationship they're looking for, which then can now what if the Christianity part isn't out of it? And now it's just like more abuse. Not that I'm saying with Christianity, it's not abuse. Right. But like any little redeeming quality of what this kind of looks like It's just such a slippery slope. I love the word discipline because like when you think of discipline, you're like, oh, this person's disciplined and they do really good things and they don't make mistakes and they work really hard. I think this is um, the other side to discipline where it's like, what is the goal here to have a, a highly functioning, productive family that's in a loving home that you earn income and you're out of debt, you know, like what's the goal right. here? That's what's the thing. Like, I just don't, I'm probably cause I'm so removed from it. I don't even see the goal to right. discipline someone to have control over someone for what reason? Other than like a struggle for power dynamic or ego. Yeah. It really isn't a reason. Are you highly, are you more f- highly functioning than someone else? Do you have a higher quality of life than someone else? Like, I don't see the end result. Like I don't see the end benefit of it other than some temporary benefits of maybe our home is chaotic and I just need to control this chaotic person for a little bit. Um, And so that's why we decided to go down this route, you know? Right. Like I can see why some people are enticed. I really can, but it is such a temporary fix. There's no long-term benefit in something like this. And I got to tell you, I was so just kind of down the rabbit hole on the male to female power dynamic on this. But then, you know what? We live in Utah and something's been all over the news lately that made me reevaluate what domestic discipline actually can be. And then it doesn't always fall on the male. We got to talk about Ruby Frankie. Yep. Oh, this one, when it started coming out, Irene hopped on YouTube and I was like seeking out videos and just disgusted disgusted and that's where i started putting these two together it's like okay so the general consensus of this type of christian domestic discipline is father towards mother and maybe the children most of this talks about 
the mother-father dynamic. But then when I started looking into the Ruby Frankie thing, almost all of it came from her. And the husband, we don't know how much he was going on behind the scenes, but he's relatively quiet. Well, she's like the speaking point, right? So when all this goes down, you barely hear about him in the news. It's all her and her partner. So it makes me wonder how much is actually going on from the paternal side of this. And then the domestic discipline is based towards the children. They're actually coaching parents to oh. discipline their children this way. Yes, that's what's so gross. In the disgusting. name of God. Yeah. Um, so when the story first aired, I dug deep right. into it. I right. You would. <laughs> <laughs> and about the husband, mostly, because I was like, how who, where's this guy? Like, so why would the kids go to like foster care or foster home or whatever? Like, why wouldn't, you know? And so I dug onto his side and he taught at BYU Mm -hmm. and, you know, some people's reviews about him. And I don't know what course he taught something in maybe construction management or like design. Eh, Sorry. I don't know. Um, but people's reviews about him was he didn't listen to anyone's opinion. He told you you were wrong to sit down. He only cared if you showed up and shut up. He didn't want to hear from anyone. And I was like, this is a cultural ingrained thing. Mm -hmm. So this is part of his value system. He's showing up in a higher ed institution like this. And modern day people are like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I don't, you know, you can't even blind me with church things right now. This is not okay. Um, And so knowing that that's his opinion in the workforce you know it's even grossly, uh, um, what's the word? It just left me. Larger at home. <laughs> anyway, um, at home. So maybe she might have been the louder of the two. Yeah. But this was both of them feeding on each other. And this is where I think the consensual piece comes in. It's maybe not consensual, but it's value system that we think align when really it's just that power dynamic and you know, just how they talk to their kids. There was a little YouTube clip and, you know, they're on YouTube. They're a YouTube channel. So people are reading this. They're making money off it. They took their teenage son's phone and were reading texts out loud between him and a friend. Mm -hmm. And he was just mortified and embarrassed. I'm pretty sure it was someone he liked or something. And I'm like, that is disgusting. And I just saw the surface level Mm -hmm. of what they do to their children the public embarrassment is just so is not a discipline tactic that's healthy. Um, and I, I was just like, what if that was my child texting that kid? Right. And I'm not consensually allowing these parents to read it on a mm-hmm. public forum with millions of followers. Right. I was like, Oh, I was just shaking. I was so angry. And I was like, no, it was just that little piece that I was like digging into. But it is, it's what people say are like their value system, how they view the world. It is that hierarchical, you know, like there's someone that should always have power over you. Mm-hmm. And obviously that bled into their entire downfall, like because they justified all of their behavior through that mindset. Not only justified, they and cap- promoted, they capitalized off of it. Ugh, anytime, yeah. anytime you make money off of an idea or off of a practice. The goal is to continue to grow that capitalization. So it makes me wonder that if they had like maybe a very basic sense of what they wanted their domestic discipline practices to be, Mm -hmm. and as they got more followers and more money and more attention, 
It's just like reality TV. It had to, I had to step you it up. You got to step it up. Keep your entertainment. Your audience wants more. Yep. And then you lose your self awareness of what the line actually is that you're crossing. And then when you bring other people into it that have bonkers ideas as well and promoting it even more and really just, like I said, capitalizing off of it. And who's benefiting other than the people who are doing it? Not the children. No. Like, that's one of the things it's about the Duggar thing. temporary things. fix. It yeah. sounds like I have a great family because my kids are sitting around the dinner table being quiet and submissive. And so on the outside looking in, people are like, damn, I want that because my kids right. annoy the hell out of me. Or, you know, they're always fighting each other, whatever. But that's not healthy for that individual. It's a temporary fix right. to make you comfortable, mm-hmm. but you're not helping anyone else. Well, and that's where the double-edged sword of social media comes in because the kids did have enough access to social media to understand that what was going on in their world was fucking crazy. Yeah. And as soon as they were old enough to get out, they got out. They say they try to tell the authorities and blah, 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 that, you know, the parents had so much pull in the community that they didn't really do much. They kind of turned a blind eye. I'd hate to think that was really the case, but you never know. You never know in this state. You never know in this world, you know. You, you don't. And it's so hard to be in the that seat of authority, right? Because you don't know what to believe and and how much. And when your funding is really small... How much do time and right. funding do you have to go and dig into that? So I do have some empathy for, you know, that side of the, the legal story. side, the right? law enforcement. It, yeah. It gets hairy. Like I said, I worked in, in DV for the, you know, start of my career and it gets hairy. And then you're like, oh, the person who claimed abuse is really the abuser. And it takes a long time and a lot of things sometimes to dig on, you know, dig that up. So, um, what else do you have on this? You this know, is interesting because um, the warning signs of domestic violence and abuse versus the domestic discipline principles. And it's really interesting because I've seen a lot of this stuff happen to really good friends of mine here when they got married. You know, I didn't get married till I was 27. That marriage only lasted a few years. But most of the people that I grew up with got married at 19, 20, 21 But we didn't start seeing interesting signs of what you could consider uh, control or abuse until a little bit later on. And this first one is the one that I would say is the most prominent one in all of the situations that I've dealt with. I have a friend who's 40, my age, who's dealing with it right now, and she's Mm. she's working to get out of it. Isolates partner from family and friends. The isolation piece. Number one thing. Number one red flag, if they have jealousy or say, hey, you're hanging out with your friends more than me, you like your friends more than me, um, you're choosing your family over me, that is an isolation tactic. That's an uh, abuse tactic uh, that many, many people use and then gaslight will then turn it and be like, no, you know. Uh, so it's it's scary because then you don't have people to reach out to. Right. Because then people aren't seeing it happen. They're not They're not seeing the red flags and then are going to intervene. Mm-hmm. And at this time, you're getting chipped away smaller and smaller, have a less and less voice, don't have a belief in your ability to leave or right. do something about it because now your support system, we're social creatures. Right. We can only thrive when we have a good support system. Right. So if you don't have that support system because of a partner, look at your partner really critically. Diane and I did a whole episode on this when it was something about uh, male compensation, right? And one of the red pill gurus said that 
if you start dating a girl, she needs to get rid of her single lady friends. That she should only have friends that are in healthy relationships because the single women will bring her down and try to get her out and point all of the the flaws of the man and the relationship, blah, blah, blah. My opinion was like, oh no, so this man's just built himself a castle of bullshit and he's afraid that these single lady friends are going to start picking away the bricks yeah. and expose him for what he really is. Yeah. But what is that? It's an isolation tactic. 100%. You know, and nine times out of 10, nine times out of 10, if you are with a successful, let's say high value man that's, you know, in this uh, prominence that we're talking about in this day and age, I'm going to guarantee you that your social group revolves more around his friends and their partners than your friends and their partners. It just makes more sense to me. We talked about it a couple weeks ago where, hey, I've got the cabin, I've got the boat, I've got the lake house, I've got this, I've got that. Most of the time, it's the man in the relationship that's acquired those, not the lady. So your social group is going to automatically attract to those things and the women in those relationships become more and more isolated from people that could potentially help them out of an abusive relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. So isolation, it's and it's really sneaky, too, mm -hmm. where if you're first starting dating someone and they're like, who are you talking to? And you're like, oh, you know, Susie, whatever. I love how Susie's always like the name I pull out of nowhere. <laughs> My mom's name is Susie. <laughs> um, and they're like, oh, well, you know, like, oh, or especially if it's another, uh, an opposite sex friend. Jesus Christ. Like, this is so hard. But then they kind of start. And then if you are starting to feel guilty talking to your friends when your partner's around or because your partner has made you feel guilty, right. that's a really good thing to start looking. Because you're going to feel like, I'm between a rock and a hard place. Do I choose yeah. my my new partner? Do I choose my friend? You know, and so you do have to make those boundaries for yourself. But if you are starting to feel super guilty and like like it's a tug of war between you, that's a red flag. And they a lot of these people, they are Jedi mind fuckers. Like they are <laughs> so good at controlling your thoughts and your um, perceived value. And so you just don't know. So if you feel like you're in that tug of war, that's a good one to start thinking like, ooh, am I trying to be isolated right now? Right. Yeah. That's not all they control because in both no. situations, financial control. 100%. And we talked about that last time too. Yeah, because if I've got cash, I can leave. Right. I can tell you, you know, um, this is this is something where my spouse and I, uh, <laughs> it was a fight for a long time. We have separate bank accounts and we always have. Yeah. I didn't work for a good chunk of time, though, because I was going to school. We had babies. And I was like, what the fuck, man? And he was like, I pay you. Like, he still gave me a chunk of, like, his paycheck mm. and actually went direct deposit into my account. He's like, I don't want you to ever feel like I'm not giving you this. But I, and he knows his downfall was, if I see every penny you spend, he's an accountant. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to have a fit about the dumbest <laughs> things. And for our help... Just don't tell me, but don't spend everything. Like we need to have a healthy budget. Right, and, right. And so that was just something that now we have, we continue to have separate bank accounts. It's funny, but we have joint savings. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's an emotional Which, intelligence and trust yeah. in that too. I think it's very healthy. My partner and I have separate bank accounts, Yeah. but we also kind of like have the house fund, you know, yeah. as long as the house fund is healthy, 
I really don't care if you're buying a pillow. I really don't care if you're buying a candle. I know that she's not just a frivolous spender, and neither am I, uh, despite all the DVDs and Blu-rays in this office that I've collected over the last 20 years. But yeah, that's an interesting thing. I have a very good friend who's dealing with this right now, Mm. where every little cent is scrutinized. Oh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. To the point where it's like, why did you put $27 in the gas tank when you only really needed 20 that kind of scrutiny. And that runs that it well, that's actually happening. <laughs> but again, I these are things that I just always thought were, you know, just shitty men, right? Yeah. But then you see stuff like this and realize, oh, this is actually a movement and almost everything on this checklist, I'm seeing people like this. I could have my own checklist. I could be playing Yahtzee right now and just checking stuff off of the list. I'm like, oh my God, this is so exactly what's happening in so many things. For example, this is another one believes abuse is justified or that the victim is responsible for it. Yeah. I you hit made you, 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 but you make, made me hit you. You're making me spank you. You are making me do this. I don't want to do this to you. Right. I don't want to. You're making me the bad guy because of your choices. Oh, uh, that's again, the whole victim blaming, you know, a lot of things that are very, very dangerous in the de- in domestic violence world. But, um, and those people believe it. I they got will the, believe that they deserve it. I got the belt maybe like three or four times oh, in my childhood. Same here. I was know? like, and shit. I deserved it. Oh, me too. I deserved it. But here's the one thing that I will give my dad and my mom full credit for: not once did they ever say this hurts me more than it hurts you, because mm. that's a bullshit thing for me for someone to say to their child. You know what? Really? If you're hitting your kid. You're trying to prove a message. You're trying to prove a point. You're trying to correct behavior. And I'm not going to say that it doesn't suck. You may feel that way, but vocalizing that to your kid even, I think, doubles down the emotional abuse that that kid is achieving because you are essentially telling that child that not only did you deserve this spanking? Did you deserve this punishment? Now you but have now to hold accountability you, for my feelings. You have to hold accountability for your parents' feelings, that you are responsible for the hurt that your parents are feeling too. Yeah. My dad was one of those types of dads where it's like, hey, if I got caught in a DUI or if I got caught busting into a place or did some shit and the police called him, he'd have been like, yeah, let him spend the night in jail. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm natural consequence mom through and through. 100%. That's how my parents were. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I rarely actually have to discipline my kids because I just, I will sit with you in your natural consequences, but I will never fucking bail you out. That's one thing he said to me. He's like, this world is so deadly, dangerous, sinister. It already tells there you when you're doing nothing. wrong things. Yeah, he's like, there is nothing that I could do to you that yeah. this world and this government and this establishment couldn't do to you worse. So have fun and be careful is essentially his thing. Yeah. That's why I tell my kids. I'm like, go, go push the limits. Don't hurt people or yourself, but go make mistakes. Right. Cause that's how you're going to learn. Cause those natural consequences will teach you way more than me telling you don't, don't heck, do it. Don't do this. Go and here's your, your consequences. <laughs> I'm going to take your phone away and I'm going to send you to your room. Right. I don't think I've ever sent my kids to their room as a punishment. I think parents forget that, They'd much rather be yeah. in their room than out of the family. I don't have to family. fucking deal with your <laughs> shitty attitude, you know? Well, I like, want to go to my room anyway. <laughs> I'm going to go listen to music, play on my phone, you know, whatever. Right. Yeah, that was a, not a punishment. The, the last little part to wrap this up, which I think is interesting, interesting, interesting is the deniability. Ugh. 
denies abuse or violence ever happened and argues that it was not as bad as a victim claims or denies that this lifestyle is abusive and argues that it is consensual and biblical. And therefore, if it's biblical, that means it's right. Or consensual. And this is where this gets grossly um, pulled out of proportion, right? right? I just think, you know, like what did they actually consent to? Are you every single time you make a rule and a punishment, they are saying, yes, I agree to this? No, they're probably right. saying, yes, I'll agree to you making some of the decisions and everything. But to the point of tears, I don't know. I have a hard time saying that that's consensual. This is the part that really busts my brain is that does this stuff happen early on in the relationship while the relationship is forming? Or is this something that the dominant person in the relationship, because I'm not going to lie, I wouldn't be surprised if something very similar where we flipped the gender roles, where it could be the Absolutely. woman doing to the man. I, you know, We've all know what a cuck is. We've all heard uh, pussy whipped and stuff like that. I'm not saying it doesn't work both ways, but if we're going by the biblical sense, definitely it's the paternal side. Yeah. Is this something that is slowly, let's say, introduced and foddered into the relationship over time? Or do you think this could be something that he's like, all right, this is what we're doing? <laughs> no. Um, it is these types of people search and seek out weaker people mm. it's a predatorial thing she might not understand that that is what he is seeking but then it's going to and then i'm going to slowly turn it up it's like you know boiling the frog you know just slowly turn it up and then you don't really know how deep we're in right you consented to this and then you consented to that and then i'm going to pull that back on you and then be like but did i really did i have informed consent did right. i know this is how far it was going to go and by then, my voice is gone. Your voice is gone. You don't have power. You don't believe you have power. You have no belief in your ability to change things, and you mm. just accept it. So it is a slow boil, but it is also a predatorial thing. You are going to seek someone. Just like I I have probably repellent to these people. <laughs> they hear me open my mouth once, and they're right. like, fuck, I can't mess with this girl. Right. And that's actually the number one thing that you can do to um, ward off any like violence or getting mugged or beat up or raped or anything like that is being loud, obnoxious, and that you own the space. Right. Because no one's going to mess with that. But if you shrink yourself in this dark little alley and you're like, oh, I wish I didn't exist. I got it. I'm so scared. Yeah, you got you're a bullseye pray on, on that. Yeah, exactly. But if I'm like, oh, hey, guy in the black hoodie, <laughs> that's weird. Kind of creepy, dude. You know, if I'm loud about it, no, like rarely are they going to actually come after me unless they're just plain old, you know, violent or have backup or something like that. But yeah. So if you don't want someone to prey on that, if you want to protect yourself from some of these guys who have this belief system, make sure you own your shit. These are my favorite segments. Oh, uh, yeah. I love the love gurus. We've had some good ones. And I started digging into like a new part of TikTok and Instagram, trying to get away from 
the traditional ones. This one's a little bit different, but I really want to hear your opinion on it. Here we go. First thing a guy will do if he's trying to steal your girl. This is a good thing to know for both you and her so you can set boundaries up front. You're going to notice that this guy is trying to establish some sort of physical touch with your woman. It could be as simple as a high five or a pinky promise over something stupid. Very innocent looking stuff at first because he knows that if he can get your girl to do this without her immediately shutting it down, then he's pretty much got an open door that he can walk right through. And when he does walk through that door, you're going to notice him escalating that physical contact, putting his hand around her back or grabbing her arm as they're crossing the street because he's being a gentleman. But at this point, if your girl has not shut him down and completely cut him off, then she does not respect you or the relationship. You get in life what you put up with, so you can give her two options. Explain the disrespect and then give her the ultimatum or walk away and don't look back. What do you think about that? Well, there's truth to that. You know, there's people who uh, the conquests hey, I see a woman who's already taken and I'm going to see if I can wiggle my way in because that's a macho thing. Like that's going to feed my ego because I got a girl who was really off the market kind right. of thing. But how he ended it where it's yeah. on her <laughs> responsibility. She's right. responsible for this. Mm-hmm. Not go shut it down with the other, go have a conversation with that other guy and be like, hey bro, like that's kind of uncomfortable. How much you, you know, she's just humoring you or she's, you know, or like if it's me, I know exactly when that happens. I am so fully aware. And I'm like, let's fucking play this game. (laughs) Go ahead. Touch my back. You know, like, and I just, and I know exactly what they're doing. um, And I don't call any attention to it. Cause I just, it's, 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 it's another mind game that I play. Then that's, you know, I will straight up admit it because it's very obvious Mm -hmm. when someone does that. So I'm not doing it out of disrespect for my spouse or anything because my spouse and I know where we're comfortable. Right. He's in. He's not insecure. So he can have a conversation with me and I can tell him, be like, dude, did you see our friend so-and-so and how like touchy-feely he got? Plus my spouse also does that when he drinks too. So I'm like, right. eh. like I was like, bro, you need to tone down the touchy-feely. Right, right, like right, it's right, a little right. creepy. Right. Um, and so we have a different type of relationship. We've also been married for 13 years. So if this is like a new relationship... I don't love that he put the blame on her. This is responsibility between all three people. Yes. He can go talk to the guy who's coming in on his girl. He can have a conversation with her and she can have a conversation with both. Maybe she does like the other guy more and she just doesn't know how to tell the guy she's with. You know, like, I don't know. It's just, it's very toxic to put the responsibility on one person. Just leave and never come back. Like, no, you know, own your shit. Right. Hey, hey, you know, I was uncomfortable because of this. Like, do you think he's really flirting? And if she's completely oblivious, yeah, I'd be a little careful with that. But if she's completely oblivious, she's also not going to be feeding into it. So this guy could go after her, go after her, go after her forever and nothing change about how she feels about you. Right. And so that's where I was just like, you know, like it's, it's, it's everyone in that situation, but how secure are you? Right. And how okay are you with it? The body language part at the beginning, 100% agree with, because um, I've been victim to it. Yeah. And I recognize it. The touches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sure. It's a huge flirty thing. We've talked about this in the show many times where I have a lot more girlfriends and guy friends. I have a dear, dear friend, my best friends. She's chronically single because she is a little bit toxic and she owns it. And, you know, maybe someday she'll find her, her white knight. I don't know. But she's always been excellent at helping me avoid situations or trying to warn me when a situation is happening. I had a one girlfriend for a while that cheated on me just endlessly. And finally I I was done putting up with it, but this friend of mine always called it. 
And she always said something to me that I think is so, it doesn't seem like it should be common knowledge, but I think it actually works. She said, Antonio, hugs, not high fives. I'm like, what does that mean? She's like, everyone hugs. Everyone can hugs. Hugs should be innocent. If a guy comes up and he knows your girlfriend, he hugs her, great. You hug him back. It's just a way that we kind of social. She's like, but if a dude comes up and he's high-fiving your girlfriend all the time, that's danger. I'm like, why? He's like, because it seems innocent. Yeah. It's not. Because eventually that high-five is going to turn into a high-five hold hands. It's going to turn into a high-five come here. It is an entry Or like a high-five spank, you know, like on your friends. high-five spank. And I thought it was ridiculous at first, and then I watched it evolve. And she was totally right. That high-five turned into double high-five, and then it turned into, I'm going to double high-five you, and I'm going to twist you around, and I'm going to hug you, and stuff like that, where anyone that can just come and give you a hug, or like, hey, what's up? That is yeah. so innocent, yet it's more intimate on a physical level, but on an emotional level, on an intentional level, it's 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 not as dangerous as the seemingly innocent things that turn into more progressive attempts to create more physical intimacy. Absolutely. Well, and I'm not a touchy feely person. So anytime someone touches me, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and like, I just, it's so loud in my brain. And so I just, I think I really hyper aware right. to those things. Like it took me a long, long time just to hug my friends. Um, like it had to take like COVID and being starved of human touch to be like, I actually miss me. you. Yeah. Um, and now I'm like, oh, I don't know why I made such a big deal about like hugs and how weird they were, but because people made them awkward and they abused, you know, physical touch kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but, um, it is, it's one of those that I'm like, why did you just touch me? Right. Like what? You don't need to touch me. My spouse doesn't even need to touch right. me. Right. Like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm just super aware of it. And so it's, yeah, it's, I, I have a Halloween party coming up with a bunch of couples. We're all going to be, you know, drinking and the kids around too. So it doesn't get too frisky. Everyone gets a little flirty and stuff too. But right. like, um, I am just going to be watching body language just out of curiosity because it's fun. It's yeah. fun to like be that fly on the wall and be like, Right. Recognize That's the signs. Yeah. And it's funny. It's like when friends say that they knew you were going to hook up with someone before you did. It's true. When you are yeah. in the when you are in the pool swimming with that person, figuring out the chemistry and what kind of uh, flirting and body movements to do, people around you notice that and they recognize it and they can see that it's it's on or maybe it's it's not on, but you want it to be on. And it's yeah. like, bro. Don't even waste your time. <laughs> right, right. Yep. Yeah. I just thought that was really interesting. I wanted to hear the female perspective on that. So like last time you were on, the Salty Sex Cast website is still going. You can still look at all the old episodes and archives and blog entries. And you're still just working on all your stuff, getting your almost done with school, you said, or almost yeah. done with your assignments. Yes. Yeah. So I should be graduating in about a week. Um, so that's exciting. Like, uh, I still have more stuff I've signed up for <laughs> <laughs> even after I graduate. Um, so I'm just collecting certificates and degrees at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really exciting where I have a few things in the, 
in the bag that I'm getting ready to, to launch. It's going to take me probably, you know, a good, good year or two, but there'll be quality shit out there. Can't wait. And again, thank you for coming back on. We're going to have you on again next week. We've got your subject that you're bringing to the table that I'm really excited to talk about. So everyone stay tuned. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Mariah, I will see you next week. Thank you.